Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined today by Todd Herman. As a high-performance coach for top athletes, entrepreneurs, and companies around the world, his programs have been twice recognized as being the world's top leadership and skill development program by the Stevie Awards. I've invited him to discuss his fantastic new book, The Alter Ego Effect, The Power of Secret Identities to Transform Your Life. We're going to discuss the biggest misconceptions about mindset, how taking on an alter ego can help you achieve rapid, dramatic success while still being authentic, and how alter egos are not just about pretending to be a superhero. You're going to learn a ton from Todd Herman. Todd Herman, welcome to the show. Mr. Altman, it is a pleasure, my friend. Mr. Altman, I must have done something wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see by the end. We'll see by the end. (laughs) So, Todd, can you start by sharing something surprising about you that people may not know? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Here's one. When I was uh, 16, I was on my – I was a captain of my football team at my little high school in Medicine – well, I was a big high school. uh, But I was also on student council. And uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta, where I'm from – I live here in New York City now – but was host to a huge leadership conference for student councils and things like that, student leadership stuff. And we have – Medicine Hat, Alberta has the largest teepee in the world – um, and it's a little ho- known fact. Oh, the little known fact. Uh, and we hosted a um, twister, you know, the game board twister. Sure. Yeah, we hosted a challenge there. There was uh, 3,800 people competing. I won the largest twister challenge of all time and got myself into the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, so that is my that is my greatest claim to fame. Dude, yeah. I'm surprised that's not in the dust jacket of the book. Oh, I know, I know. I bury that one because unfortunately, the Guinness Book of World Records constantly recycles their their books, and uh, no longer apparently is the Twister Challenge winner um, a worthy. Uh, oh my goodness! Book. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, I think I feel like we should stage a mass protest. <laughs> it's coming. As Cause as I'm, I'm get- sure because I'm sure in there is the largest ball of yarn, and <laughs> and I got to believe the largest TP competition winner should yeah. supersede that. And so I, I'm just, I'm committed at this point to not buying the Guinness Book of World Records book until they correct that terrible injustice. Well, if anyone else feels that this is a terrible injustice, please reach out. We'll put together some sort of website <laughs> URL for us to exactly. connect well, on. Yeah, I'll set up a GoFundMe page for you just to just to really See, round it out. <laughs> that's great. So, so though, though many of our audience might be thinking to themselves, man, I wonder if I can get good insight about twister competitions from mm-hmm. Todd. The area that I'd like to focus on is so much of the genius that's in the alter ego book, which is what's the greatest stumbling block or misconception that you see people have when it comes to mindset and things that might be holding them back? Yeah, the greatest stumbling block uh, people have around mindset is forgetting the incredible innate ability human beings have uh, to tap into a creative imagination that can supersede many of the uh, uh, traumas or challenges or obstacles or negative beliefs that people or negative parts of their identity that people identify them with. Um, that That is the biggest thing. And that's one thing that, you know, working with pro and Olympic athletes now for 22 years or working with, you know, elite leaders and professionals or entrepreneurs, salespeople, whatever the case is, is those people who excel at a high level have a 
higher ability to be tapping into that creative imagination as a s- consistent skill more so than than others do. And it's even talked about like, um, you know, a great quote that actually is an example of this is a very famous quote that people use, Wayne Gretzky's, I yep. skate to where the puck is going to be, not to where it is right now. Yep. Well, you know, Wayne Gretzky had something called ice vision, which is the ability to see the game happening or what it's, how it's about to unfold, right? So he can actually have a faster deductive reasoning uh, skill of just seeing what's happening. Michael Jordan was the same way. And, and so the same thing happens for business leaders where they can maybe see where the market is going. That's a creative imagination skill. That's less about actual intellect as it is about their creative imagination. And so that's a big stumbling block. I think people just forgetting that that's a big part of what makes us truly unique on this planet is that. And then inside of it, you know, what I do then is use certain strategies to help really unlock that creative imagination to help move people past those blocks that they're putting up in front of themselves that don't need to be there. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because as as I picked this up and as I looked as I looked at the alter ego effect, mm-hmm. my first thought was, oh, so people are gonna pretend to be somebody they're not. And mm-hmm. candidly, I was a little bit skeptical. And then yeah. it took me all the way until I don't know, page two. <laughs> to be totally bought in and said, wow, this is some great stuff. And then it was just, you know, it was just page after page after page of, wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. That was really great. And I started thinking yeah. about how I would apply this to different areas. So give us a little context behind this idea of the alter ego. And I know you've got so many great stories yeah. to share. So I don't want to steal your thunder. Just, no. you know, take us down the, the path of this idea of the alter ego effect. Yeah, so um, I'll share a story that was that was in the book, or that's actually at the start of the book. So I had I was about uh, six or seven years into my uh, sports performance and sports science uh, training company, and I was speaking at this conference down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I was waiting in the green room as you do as well. And when we say green room, everybody, um, it's typically um, almost like a janitor's closet. Exactly. <laughs> Oftentimes, exactly. it's very it's very rare that the green room is something like you might see on a TV show. The green yeah. room is usually behind the stage in an AV area where yeah. there are old. Um, non-thrown-away, dirty coffee cups, yeah. um, a croissant that somebody is half-eaten, leaving leaving there, and they're like, "Yeah, don't lean against this thing because it'll make the whole stage collapse." Just so now yeah. people have the proper context of what the green room could be. Exactly. There's no bowl of fruit, and there's no bowl of M and M's with all the brown ones pulled out of them. Okay. Exactly. So, um, so anyways, I was in this just uh, this one this one room, and uh, just kind of, sort of running through my my talk in my head, and all of a sudden, and I was there by myself. This in come coming in through the door is this physical specimen of a human being and in my head i was like wow i played that guy on nintendo when i was a kid all the time and it was bo jackson and he walked towards me and he said hi i'm bo jackson i said yeah i know who you are and uh he said, are, are you speaking today? I said, yeah, I'm up next, but hey, I might have been, been bumped by you. And he's like, laughed. He said, no, 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 you're, you're all good. And so, uh, and I had said to him that, you know, I used to play you all the time on Tech Mobile. You won me a lot of games. Uh, and if anyone doesn't know this, uh, Bo Jackson was the cheat code back, way back in the 80s and early 90s for the, the football game Tech Mobile. If you handed the ball off to Bo Jackson in that game, he could not be tackled. <laughs> and so, uh, well, he, and he laughed and he said, well, you're not the first one to say that. So we started just chit-chatting. He said, what are you going to be talking about today? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about, 
you know, uh, peak performance and mental game strategies to help uh, these coaches with their with their with their teams. But I said specifically, I'm going to actually talk to them a little bit about um, using alter egos and secret identities to help uh, boost performance. And he looked at me, kind of just like a blank look on his face, cocked his head to the side, for paused for a moment, and then he said, "Bo Jackson never played a down of football his entire life." And I said, "Oh, interesting. Tell me more." <laughs> And uh, he said, well, yeah, I mean, people who know my, my backstory know that when I was growing up, he was, I was a very angry kid. And, um, well, football, it would sound like being angry and, you know, having some physical gifts w- would work out f- well for you. But on the football field, it would translate into I wouldn't control my emotions and I would get some bad penalties. I was really uncoachable. I, my emotions were all over the place. And so one night at home, I was watching a movie and this character came on the screen and watching them, just this epiphany happened. I, I saw this person be cold, calculating, methodical. And he just said, I just thought to myself, well, why don't I just go out on the football field as that person instead of you know the emotional train wreck that I was at the time? And the person that he was talking about that was on the screen was Jason from Friday the 13th. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 this, and, and this is such a powerful lesson for people is – when it comes to like using alter egos and secret identities, it's a personal thing to you, right? Someone hears that and they, I've had so many people say, he, he was an angry kid and he used Jason from Friday the 13th. And I'm like, yeah, but it was his takeaway. It's whatever his takeaway was. And, and he just wanted to go out there as more cold and calculated. There's no emotion in that. He didn't want to display the emotion. He just wanted to just absolutely destroy anything that came into his path without a bunch of anger. And so that's what he did. And when he went onto the football field, he would activate, you know, Jason lived on the field. And when he would walk down the tunnel and he would get onto the field, when his foot hit the field, that's when Jason would enter him. And he was very, very deliberate about his intention of who and what he was going to draw out of himself. And that's the big, that's the big thing. And, and you talk about how you, it basically got you to, to page two before you were like, oh, okay, this has nothing to do with being fake or faking it till you're making it. Because really the power of this, and I talk about the history of alter egos in the book. I talk about the science behind it and the studies that have been done sure. and that reinforce this idea and all these other stories. And then, of course, the process that I'd use with people to build them. But um, is that this is actually drawing out of you the most real you there is. We're just leveraging the superpowers or characteristics of someone or something else to draw them out. In fact, one of the, one of the things I want to touch on that I found fascinating in the book is can you talk a little bit about this idea of the enemy and think of it in a business context? Because I think that what happens is, you know, I I work with, I work with a lot of high performing teams from a business standpoint in terms of growing their business. And invariably I'll get somebody who, for example, I'll get a CEO. There's a company I'm thinking of where the CEO would come up with proposals and strategies for their clients that were incredibly complicated and took forever and candidly, with an alter ego, we probably would have gotten there a whole lot faster. But what it came down to was, well, gee, I'm kind of concerned about them rejecting what we propose. So they would just delay and delay and delay and delay. And by the time they proposed something, the client had already decided to work with somebody else. And they would get to say, oh, well, they decided to go with someone else. We never had a chance anyhow. When the reality mm-hmm. is the client was dying to work with them. They just were non-responsive, so they went somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about this idea of the enemy sure. that, that lives within people. I guess for the longest time, 
uh, in the psychology world, it was considered the the shadow self or the dark sides um, of all of our personalities. We all have it. The problem that people have when they're trying to um, reconcile something internal, like um, you know, when I was when I was first starting out in business, I was terribly indecisive, and um, and then I started to just identify myself as the moment you create something and it's a part of your identity. Now you feel like it's your DNA and it's baked into who you are, which is going to, of course, determine your behavior and your skills and your thinking and and the knowledge and the actions that you take. And so I found though, over working over time, working with, working with people that this goes back to storytelling. Um, When you think of the scariest movies you've ever watched, the scariest movies are never the ones where you know what the enemy looks like, right? I mean, that's what made Jaws so um, such a such a phenomenal movie is, and and it's very accidental as to how that movie came about because they were planning on showing Jaws throughout the entire movie, but then mechanically the the big shark broke, and the so fish Steve, wouldn't work. <laughs> the fish wouldn't work exactly, and so Spielberg was left to just basically leave it up to everyone's imagination, and he only appeared in really. Um, a few minutes of the movie, but that's what actually made that movie scary. And he even in his documentary about his life, he talks about how that was sort of just dumb luck. The same thing applies in our own heads. When we, when, when, when we are kind of battling whatever we're battling and we don't have form and shape to it, we don't give it form and shape, then it, it's impossible to um, defeat something that's like that because it's a ghost it's formless. You can't touch it and hold it. And so for me, um, those athletes that have, that are in those incredibly, um, important moments when the match is on the line and there's this tug of war that's going back and forth and some people's, you know, um, success governor might not allow them to think that they can, you know, win the U S open or something like that. That isn't really who they are. That is the enemy trying to what I call in the book, creating, creating a trapped self. It's trying to trap you. And the enemy uses many, many different tools to do that. But the moment that you can name the enemy, give it a name, give it some sort of form, what does it look like? Now, all of a sudden, again, your creative imagination can talk back at something now. Now it's not so scary. And so, and this is just simply tapping into, like I said before, the power of story. Every single story has an enemy. Well, we all do as well. We all have to wake up and do hard, challenging things. And there are times when resistance wants to step in, and that's just one of those tools that the enemy wants to use. Well, when my enemy tries to do that, I talk James back to the corner. Yeah. <laughs> and and for me, that was the that was the name, and it was um, it was just because I had a an arch nemesis when I was younger and um, in my in my high school, and his name was James, and so I was like, perfect, I'm gonna that's that's who I'm gonna talk back to, and so in my head, I'm just having that, James, just get to the sidelines. Yeah, this and, isn't your field, and we this need to real and we need to realize that James was out in the first round of the Twister tournament. Yes, so he, he like, definitely was. He, he has no business <laughs> occupying space in my head whatsoever. And so, um, anyway, the the point about that you're making, uh, or that you're kind of, I think, asking about is this creates super healthy conversation in our head because most of the time, people end up having because um, we're all talking to ourselves. We have this very unconstructive, most people have a very unconstructive conversation in their head where they're beating themselves up and they're, they're, they're attacking their own identity. But just realize that there's this other thing that lives inside of that enemy, that resistance that wants to keep you safe and in a comfort zone. 
And, and, and that isn't where any of us want to live because in order for all of us to achieve the things that we want to do, we got to keep on pushing past and going into areas that make us feel uncomfortable. It's, and that's, and that's the juice of life right there. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing because what I see often in top performing companies is people who are doing great and they kind of plateau. Mm -hmm. And then when I talk to people, what you actually discover is it's certain rate limiting beliefs that they have that have nothing to do with their capabilities or the potential of their business yeah. or even themselves yeah. personally. There's something in their head. So they either say, yeah, but you know what? We're making enough right now. So I feel like if we hit that next level, it's going to be excessive or gee, no one in my family ever made more than X. So if mm -hmm. I earn more than that, then it's somehow yeah. offensive to my dad. And you're like, yeah. really? Like yeah. that's, but, but the idea is understanding why that's holding you back. And it's interesting in, in my, in my business, there are some things and, and, uh, and it's something that became clear to me as I was reading the book. So you know, I'm I'm sitting there reading the alter ego effect, and all of a sudden it became clear to me that there's a online learning center that we're building out, and I wasn't building as fast as I wanted to. And a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know what, I need to look at if by this date I want to have this live. What do I need to do over the coming X number of weeks to hit that launch point? Yeah. And as I was reading in the book, this idea about working backward, I said, man, that's exactly yeah. it. And yeah. I was unintentionally and got lucky doing it. Um, and, and you know, now I'm reading the book saying, wow, that would have been helpful. So can you talk to us a little bit about this idea of working backward? Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the kind of, uh, another kind of fundamental skill of people who are uh, really good at achieving things rapidly um, and with less resistance than others um, is this tendency to, not tendency, is ability to think from with the end in mind. Uh, anytime you're trying to like outline a project, I mean, this is what we're always doing. I mean, I run a, I run a company and, and business and we're always working on projects. I mean, this book right now, as it's coming up to launch is a massive project for me, right? And, and so when giving direction to other people as leaders, if we do a terrible job of painting the picture of what it's supposed to look like, we end up getting something that we didn't want in the end. And so, well, what it, what does what is this perfect launch going to look like for us? Or what what's that? Um, I talk about this idea of good, better, best goals. Like, what would be a good goal that we reach, or a better goal? But we work, we we paint that picture first, and then we work backwards from there. And we can milestone things out as opposed to what many people do is they milestone forward, and then it ends up taking a lot longer. Um, they end up missing a lot of the components because when you paint the picture of what you want it to look like, it's now sitting in front of you. You go like, oh, geez, I was, I was going to forget that we need to build that bridge over there um, to get across the river. And that would have been a missed project that we needed to um, do or in the context of, say, building a new website for our company. Um, oh, geez, like we need to also think about how this also integrates with our contact management and our follow-up system. And, exactly. um, and again, actually, you brought up something really interesting when you had said uh, with regards to, you know, people putting together a proposal. Did you know that um, in, there was a study that was released last year that the company that returns a phone call within 29 minutes of someone reaching out to them has an eight times higher likelihood of closing the sale than if they would wait 
even just a couple more hours. Exactly, and the and the funny and the funny part is in that in that same study, it's if you if you respond in the first fifteen minutes, I think your your likelihood is twice as good as if you yeah. respond in the first thirty. And then yeah. once it takes more than two hours, it may as well take you three days. Yeah, and I don't know about you. I mean, I uh, I had a I had a, a successful podcast for a while as well, like you. Um, had to back away because of um, other other responsibilities for a while, but I'll be relaunching another one and. Um, it was so funny. I had billionaires on that podcast and extremely successful people. The people who took the longest to ever respond back to an outreach or an email were the ones who wanted to create the perception that they were really successful. Um, <laughs> the, 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 most, the wealthiest people I ever had on that show, their average response time was eight minutes to yeah. an outreach. It was incredible, um, just the difference uh, between those people. There's no air of trying to uh, put off this perception of something else. But getting back to the thing is having that ability to think about the end in mind and having that that creating that great vision for yourself so that you can live into it. And I talk about it in the book because, you know, um, I, I great the, in chapter three a I talk about this model of the field of play and, yeah. and all of us all of us have many stages that we go and we perform on you know I've got the the dad stage as well like I go home and and then I've got my business stage or that field of play and then I've got you know our friends and you know our family and and sports and all that and of course everyone understands that the same you doesn't show up on every single one of these and that's the power of what of what this idea holds for the alter ego effect is it's now what we're doing is instead of you just sort of stepping onto the stage and just seeing what happens or just bringing yourself to it, we're being very intentional about who and what is showing up on that with the specific traits and skills that we want to display. That's going to give us the greatest likelihood to create what I call an extraordinary world where you get the results that you feel like you have the capability to get because nothing is more frustrating at the end of the day for people than when you lay your head down on a pillow and you think to yourself, Shh, crap, why didn't I say this in that moment? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I speak up when I had the opportunity? Why didn't I, when that customer had given every indication that they were interested, why didn't I just say, here's the contract, here's the, here's the paperwork, let's get started right now. There's no more use in us talking about this. We both know that this is the perfect thing for both of us to move forward on, right? Yeah. Like, let's not waste any more time. I, I wish I had done that. Nothing beats us up more at the self-esteem level than when we end our days that way. And so I know that you and I had talked about this before. The natural question that people um, uh, will throw at me during interviews is, well, what about authenticity or faking it till you make it? Like, isn't this about, you know, you know, kind of faking it? And it has nothing to do with that. Well, A, just the idea of faking it till you making it has the worst word you could possibly have in it, which of <laughs> course is going to repel people away, which is faking it. And that's almost acting as if there's a veneer on the outside and I'm going to act this way even though I don't feel this way. This isn't that at all. This is about operating from an inside out approach, you understanding those core genius skills that we all have as humans and then acting through that with the help of maybe an alter ego or a secret identity, you know, tapping into the skills and mindset of what James Bond might do or a grizzly bear or, you know, Clark Kent or Superman or insert whoever it is that you want. I mean, the great thing about this, and, you know, I've been kind of the global expert on it for 15 years is, People use all sorts of inspiration in order to tap into and, and create um, 
uh, a powerful self that shows up with the help of uh, an alter ego. In, and, in, in fact, Todd, let me interrupt for a second. One of, the, yeah. one, of the, one of the questions that I have for you is this, is that I think that the natural inclination for people is to think that the alter ego is always some amazing dominating force. Yeah. But in reading the book, that's that's not the case. It's not no. always somebody who is bigger and badder and bolder. No. In some cases, just the opposite. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a, a client here in New York, one of the top um, wealth managers in the world, uh, very, very successful guy. And uh, we when when we were talking about he was he was already successful by the time I had come around to him. Uh, but he was facing some challenges of leadership, and he just fundamentally um, was a fairly tough personality. And we we just start started unpacking this, and I said, "Well, how is this going to serve you going forward? Right? Like, what's what's that vision that you have for this business?" And and so we kind of unpacked all this, and in in the end, when we started talking about the traits that he wanted to be showing up and bringing out there. Uh, he went back to immediately. He thought about his grandmother, who survived the Holocaust. Her her husband didn't. She was uh, now a widow with four kids. Brought them over to America. Classic rags, like seventy nine dollars in her purse. Brought them over here. Settled in New York City area. Raised them all up in tenement building down in the Lower East Side of New York City. And all four of them are either successful doctors here in New York City. One. Um, is a successful professor, and the other one is, success, is a successful uh, real estate investor, which was his father. And his his sort of secret identity or alter ego that he taps into as characteristics to to use is his grandmother. And he keeps a uh, frame of her on his desk. And any time where he's about to, uh, he feels like he's going to have to step into a role that he doesn't feel like he's naturally built to be successful at. He's, he's, he has this – we talk in the book about the importance of totems and artifacts, something that we use, that we wear, that we have on us or that's in our environment that helps us to trigger that alter ego. I use my glasses as my, my totem. Um, and his – he simply twists the frame slightly on his desk of his grandmother to have her face him even more so that he embodies her characteristics so that he can have those difficult conversations with his other leaders, but not browbeat and bully them like he would naturally do. And what's great about this is I talk about this quote from Cary Grant, the Silver Age Hollywood actor um, from kind of the golden era back in the 50s and 60s and, and whatnot. And Cary Grant was always known for being very debonair. That was kind of his brand moniker in the end. People yeah. wanted to be Cary Grant. And, but Cary Grant battled um, mental illness and depression throughout his entire life. And, um, but he had this vision for how he wanted to live. And he has this great quote where he says, I, I pretended to be Cary Grant or I became Cary Grant. At some point in time, though, they merged. Yeah, and that's the power of this. And and I same thing happened with with me as well. I and so to your point, he wasn't trying to be like my client wasn't trying to be a grizzly bear or a lion or a, no. It's it's again like I said, it's nuanced. It's what it's what resonates with you. I've got a client who her alter ego. She grew up in um in Germany and in nature, and she's always had this reverence for um, wild bucks like deer, 
and how they you know they stand their ground against grizzly bears like they actually do fight off grizzly bears with their and that that's what inspires her so hers isn't that i've got to be show up like a lion or a grizzly bear hers is this like she has this real quiet demeanor and she wanted to find something that still honors that part of herself but is tough because she had a tendency to allow people to kind of roll over her and she wouldn't stand up for herself and so that's 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 her resonating that's, with something that stands its ground that's 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 great it, it it makes me think of the idea of the of the totem or having something mm-hmm. that triggers that behavior reminds me of um do you do you know James Clear of course. Okay. So, so James in his Atomic Habits book, one of the things that James talks about in terms of building habits is this idea of having something physical or something that prompts you to then take that first or next step. Yeah. And so in, in one of his talks, he, he jokes about how there's something that happens in his house that determines if he and his wife go to the gym. And it just has to do with if either one of them has put on – their workout clothes mm-hmm. than the other one does and they go and do it. And yeah. if within the first three minutes of them being home, neither one of them has make, taken that step, they just don't go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. just kind of funny because he says, oh, yeah, we have every intention of going. But if all it takes is one of us to actually take the initiative to do it and then we're done. But if we don't do it, that's it. And I just – I find that there are little habits like that. Yeah. Um, Neen James – in, in her book, um, Attention Pays, talks about this notion of just simply having a post-it note with here are the three things I'm going to get done today yeah. and how it dramatically impacts people getting things done because there's something in front of them. And like she says, don't put 10 things on the list. Don't put one thing. Put three things. And it's just – it's those intentional steps that I, I, can seem I, to make a big I, difference. Can I I'll, – I'll riff on that just for a quick yeah, second please. here. What James is talking about, there's actually something even more powerful that's going on there than just the thing that's happening in the environment. And I talk about, I mean, I've, I've been helping to shape habits and routines for people for a very, very long time. And environment is the most underrated part of the entire equation and and how much it does shape the results and the destiny of many people. However, um, there is a part of all of us where we will take more responsibility for other people than we will with ourselves. And it's kind of this terrible ongoing narrative. I mean, you want to be your own best self or you want to be your own best friend. That's why alter egos are so powerful because you get to actually create your own version of a best self that's going to go out there. However, Along with the idea, because people automatically start thinking of alter egos and superheroes. But if you take a look at what makes superheroes really successful, is that they also surround themselves with partners and allies. And I used to do fitness competitions back in the day. And when I would go out to eat, I would never order my own food because we all have cravings and we all have things. So my best friend, Mike, he would order for me and I would order for him. Because I am going to order the best thing to help my good friend succeed at life. And he's going to do the exact same thing for me. And so that taking that idea one step further is um, a lot of people talk about productivity and how high performers and elite people um, are, are so productive. Well, I can tell you one of the big reasons why elite performers are productive is because they are not in charge of their schedule. They have – a 
an amazingly talented executive assistant that is managing the calendar, allowing the highly productive things to show up on it. So now that elite individual or leader has someone else managing something that's very, very important to them. Same thing. So to go back to uh, James and his wife, if James handed the fitness clothes off to his wife and she handed his fitness clothes to him, that's a different way. Now I've got an ally looking out for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a mindset shift that if people truly stopped trying to approach life as if they need to be the lone wolf survivor running up the mountain to try to achieve greatness, it's the thing that slows down so many people. Um, and it's yeah. funny. The, the, way, the way I interpret it with James is that, well, if she's ready, I'm not going to have her go alone, so I'm going to yes. be there for her and vice versa. Yeah. Less, less than, okay, I've done it. It's just more, yeah. well, I'm not going to – disappoint them so i'm going to yep. be there and, yep. and 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 this is there's so many great lessons that you have in the alter ego effect and like i said i started as well let me skeptically read this and became yeah. a huge fan instantly so really phenomenal work on this thing and i i, I just i can't imagine someone getting this and it not having a dramatic impact on their life well, that's 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 the hope. I mean, I'm I'm building more of a movement around this, and 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 I even say it in the book, like I didn't invent alter egos. Alter egos were mentioned by Cicero back in 86 BC, the first time in recorded history that we actually found when an alter ego was mentioned, and 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 the root of the word means your best friend. Yeah, that's what the root of it actually means. And so we're trying, we're, we're developing this internal, again, we have this amazing capacity for our creative imagination to create, you know, we can create a heaven from hell or a hell from heaven in our own heads, right? And and this is about creating, you know, something that's more powerful. And and again, the other side of this too is we can we can do hard things and tough things with it. But there's also a side of it that I don't know about you, but I'm I can I can take life pretty seriously. But this has allowed me to actually be playful with life as well. You know, and who's I've, to say who's to say you can't be 43 like I am now and be playful with things? Um, and I think it's it's a it's a it's something that everyone can tap into. You know, I I love it. In fact, there was there was a piece I was reading in the book that really caught my attention about how people use alter egos with their personal life and at home, which yes. we're not going to get into now, but. When people get the book, there's that part of it that just had me thinking how I am with my family yeah. versus, wow, if I had this mindset or this alter ego, that would be a great thing at home. And mm -hmm. and I hope it has the same impact for other people. Hey, Todd, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and connect with you online? Yeah, I mean, uh, my home base on the web is toddherman.me, and that has links to all my social profiles, um, as well as a link to the book uh, where people can learn more. And I've got other resources available for people. It comes in, you know, it's the hardcover, it's the Kindle. We've got the Audible version as well for people who prefer audio. And uh, yeah, toddherman.me. Awesome. Hey, man, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Great book. And, uh, I hope people rush out and get it because it's really just been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you and a pleasure reading the book. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate it. Todd shared so much great insight. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply right away. Remember, think with the end in mind. Paint that picture up front about what's the good, better, and best outcome you're looking to achieve. Remember, the alter ego can be personal. So don't just think of it as some great superhero. It could be something very personable about how you engage with your family, children, and others. And be intentional about who and what's going to show up. And where appropriate, find partners 
who you can look out for them and they look out for you. And I cannot recommend his book enough, The Alter Ego Effect. Run out and get it. I'm confident you're going to absolutely love it as I have. Remember, this show gets a direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you'd like me to address or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.